Hello, this is the Plus Future podcast with me, James Nepal Singh. Join me as I coach the legendary Stuart O. He's said to be one of the most famous people in Japan who no one knows. He does the voices for major animations, commercials, and television programs. This session was so much fun, and it's a subject that a lot of us can relate to. How to deal with difficult clients. Let's get right in. So, Stuart O, welcome to the Plus Future podcast. Thank you for having me, James. Um, could you do me a favour? Because this is your day job. I'm in your <laughs> realm now in a studio. Could you just introduce this podcast in your best voice that you do for your voice? All right. Please? So what would you like to call What are you calling this? Are you calling it the Future Podcast? Plus Future Podcast. Welcome to the Plus Future Podcast. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you can do an American one. Welcome to the Plus Future Podcast. What's your favourite? What? Voice? Yeah, accent. Uh, depends what I'm doing. If I'm doing something, say, that's uh, more cerebral, like, for example, a food show or something that's going for an hour or whatever, I like to do in this kind of an accent. It's rather nice. Juicy beef steak covered in butter with mushrooms and a side of gravy. But if I'm doing kind of something that's a bit more, I don't know, theatrical, I like to do the American. Every Wednesday on Major League Baseball Channel, you can catch all the games. So I like that when it's more theatrical, right? So yeah, this, those two. Yeah. So before the recording, you mentioned that you're quite nervous. You yeah, had really nervous all day. Yeah. So what voice would you like to employ today? Just my normal voice, the okay. voice that's inside me, which is this one. Okay. Yeah, it's just kind of like this is what I, I suppose I sound like every day. I've not really looked at it that much, but yeah, Excellent. I'm not putting on a voice today. It's just going to be the one it is. So it's the real Stuart O. Yeah, the real Stuart O. Although I do tend to like when I get when I go on for a while. It does get a bit higher when I get a bit more excited about things. So maybe it might go, it might end up being a lot higher. So yeah, see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> but I am rather nervous, yeah. Okay. Mm. There's no need to feel worried or nervous or anything. So <laughs> relax. Thank you. So Stuart O, what yes. bump in the road can I help you with today? Bump in the road. Um, I actually came completely empty-handed because at the moment there's several things that are happening which are good. And several things that are happening that maybe are not so good. Uh, the, the good things are happen that are happening is the career is moving very, very well. Uh, I'm also getting rid of my COVID weight gain. I had gained about 10 Ks during COVID and I've been going to a, uh, been doing training and I'm actually doing it really, really well and I've knocked some Ks off, which is really good. Um, family life is great. Everything's good on the home front. But... I tend to sometimes procrastinate on things that I'm not uh, comfortable doing. And there's this one project, I can't really say what it is in detail, but the information that's come to me from the client hasn't been clear and it's been quite varied and they, quite, they change it quite often day to day. And yet I've introduced a whole bunch of people to this that I really respect as musicians. It's a, it's a musical-related gig. And so... It's coming, it's, it's actually really soon, but it's like nothing's happening. Nothing, no one's giving me any answers to the questions I've been asking. So I tend to, I tend to uh, find myself not actively chasing the answers and waiting for them because I'm a bit apprehensive about how the thing's going to go. I don't know. I don't know why. That doesn't happen that often, but yeah, sometimes it does, yeah. 
So to clarify, you've got great things going on in your life. Yes. Family's good. Yes. Job's going well. Yes. Losing your 10K of COVID gains. Yeah. <laughs> That's on the plus side. So well done on all that. Thank you. Your procrastination is one topic that you're thinking about in a particular project. Mm-hmm. With everything that's going on in your life, is that really the thing that's bugging you and keeping you awake at night? Or is there a bigger existential problem, do you think? It's the, no, the procrastination is what's keeping me awake at night. Because I'm annoyed with myself for procrastinating when I usually don't procrastinate. But usually things are quite well defined. As in, on any given day, I kind of know what's going to be happening. And for example, as we were talking about before about voices, I know what voice I'm going to have to have on a particular day for what I'm doing, whether it be Japanese or it be the British stuff or the American stuff or whatever. So it's very defined. So I don't really have to think so much about what I'm doing other than making sure I know what I'm talking about and what the script is all about and all that kind of stuff. And if there's any special specialist language or whatever, what kind of delivery they want and all that. So I'm usually quite fine with that. So the rest of the day, if it's only, say, for example, two or three gigs, I'm only working, say, six to eight hours. I've got 16 hours to do what I like. And I've never really found the spending of time to be a problem. I mean, I know I've got time earmarked. I like to go for a pint every now and then. I like to go for sake every now and then. I love going to the gym. It's a, it's a reawakening. It's brilliant. Um, so I'm not kind of like, you know, not really ever worried about the fact that I'm procrastinating, except for this particular thing, I'm procrastinating. And I don't know why I'm procrastinating. It's really pissing me off. So <laughs> what would you like to walk away today with? Well, I would like to think that something can be can appear you see i don't i don't know it's it's um many many years ago i went to a hypnotist because mm-hmm. i was actually having a bit of a problem because i was worried about uh it's the imposter st- syndrome am i good enough i'm getting all this great work and so on but i'm actually really good enough why is it that i feel apprehensive when i go into a studio this is years ago i'll go into a studio a tv studio or a radio studio or whatever recording studio, and I feel really, oh, you know, like, am I actually really good enough to be doing this major level work? That kind of a, a thing, which is really weird because it happened to me quite later on in life. Um, but uh, I went to a hypnotist to get rid of that, and I did get rid of that. It was brilliant. But that's kind of like I wasn't expecting what came out at that time to come out the way it came out. So I've kind of like I've approached today in a similar kind of a way. So it's not as if I've kind of thought, what do I want to get out of the thing? It's more like, what's going to come out? <laughs> it's kind of almost like passing the buck. It's not, but <laughs> it's not my intention to pass the buck, but it's, yeah. So, to confirm what you just said, mm. you had an issue with imposter syndrome a few years ago. Yeah, a few, quite a few years ago now. So you're in a really great elevated role within your career, mm-hmm. and you thought, am I good enough for this? Mm. Getting major, like, you know, you'd... you'd you walk past, I don't know, a TV station or a radio station or whatever when you're not in that, or not of a certain level of work and you go, oh, you know, wow, wouldn't it be cool to be actually in there? And then when you go in there and that's your daily life, I'm really comfortable with it now because it's, 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 it's a daily thing and it's major work all the time and it's so good. But this would have been about 15 years ago, 15, 16 years ago. I found myself really, really thinking, yeah, I'm, you know, kind of like... Me, I mean, I'm on, you know, this is, not, this is going on national TV, like, you know, 20 million people watch the show. Am I good enough for this? You know, surely there's got to be somebody else who's way better than I am at this or that. And I felt that for a little while and it really started getting me down. So I went to a hypnotist and 
it was, yeah, it was kind of a weird experience. So I felt quite out of it afterwards. So you had the self-awareness to realise there was an issue. Mm. And to your credit, you, you took it on board to sort out that issue. So that's mm. what the impetus for going to the hypnotist was. Mm. Mm. How does that relate to the other issue about procrastination that you mentioned before? Um, well... The procrastination that I had then in those days was based upon my fear of being an imposter, my this imposter syndrome thing. Whereas what's happening with the procrastination now is like I'm not getting the answers I usually get like that. You know, like as I said, I usually know what I'm going to be doing on any at any particular job. They want me to do this. They want you to be the loud, you know, like... Uh, Pizza Hut, oh, the pinky, the oishi pizza. They want me to be the loud stewardo, or they want me to be the, the dandy stewardo, or the American stewardo. There's always, it's always clearly defined, right? So, but this isn't. I know what I have to do. We know what the job's about. But I'm getting all this different information, yet it's only a couple of days away, and I'm, the people are asking me what's going on. And I'm like, I don't know. So it makes me feel like I don't want to deal with it. And that's where the procrastination's coming. And I'm lying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sending a mail and then going like, I hope he doesn't reply or, you know, I don't really want to deal with this today or whatever. So, yeah, that's kind of a weird, it's a weird thing that's just kind of reared its ugly head. But it's a very long time coming. But I remember as a kid, I used to procrastinate a bit. But it wasn't, it was more like just wanting to do great things and fun things all the time rather than, you know, it's like the usual kind of, oh, you know, homework and, oh, damn, I don't, you know, that's the test is tomorrow and I haven't studied yet, that kind of thing. As a kid, I did that a lot. But I was also really overachieving with, like, the work I was doing as a kid as well. So um, so I, it, wasn't, it wasn't such an issue, but it is right now. And it's this week, and it's kind of been the bane, of, well, will be the bane of the week until it gets done. The difference seems to be 15 years ago, it was almost as if you were in control. Mm -hmm. You in control of your own thoughts, and the hypnotist controlled your thoughts for you, it sounds, mm -hmm. to get you in the position to make you think you're not an imposter. Mm -hmm. With this, it seems like you're not in control because mm. you can't control what other disorganized people are doing to you. <laughs> exactly. And that's causing the procrastination. It's, and it's causing the procrastination. And it's really, really bugging me because I don't like, I like to, I'm usually really proactive and I like to get the answers sorted. And But every time I try to get the answers, they're not forthcoming. And they, when they are forthcoming, then they change the very next day. It could be, we would like you to do X, Y, and Z. And then I'm like, oh, great, X, Y, and Z, cool, that's happening tomorrow. Then tomorrow comes and I'm like, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And they call and say, no, we want you to, P, want you to, we want you to do STU. And STU is nothing like you know, X, Y, Z. But yeah, I've told everybody that we're doing X, Y, Z. Now we're not doing X, Y, Z. So I just, it, it makes me feel like I don't want to deal with it, which is causing procrastination, which is something I thought I'd completely removed from my life. Well, what's stopping <laughs> you from ditching the whole project? <clears throat> well, it's too, we're right, like, you know, it's like five minutes away in, in yeah, not literally five minutes away, but it's, it's really, really, really soon. And, yeah, I, I feel a real responsibility. And it's also like a, it's a career thing as well. I mean, they've asked me to do this, right? And... I have been able to deliver on the people we've got together. And they're all like the musicians I've got for this band are absolutely, I mean, you know, the, one of the guys has just come off playing, you know, all the domes around Japan, Tokyo Dome and Osaka Dome and all that. And he's coming to play drums for this thing, you know. So like the, the people there are really good. I've got a great team and I know they're going to be able to like rip it apart. And I want to continue getting this kind of work in the future as well. But the people who are providing the work on this occasion also have a bit of history on this because I have worked with them in the past before COVID. When I would get somewhere and it was, once again, I'd turn up for the actual thing 
And they'd hand me a piece of paper with something completely different on it. And so I wasn't able to prepare for it. And so it was, you know, I'm flying by the seat of my pants and I'm stressed out and I don't like that. But I don't want to ditch it because they've asked me. There's a reason why they've asked me and there's a reason why I've been, I've, I, the, the clouds have aligned and, not the clouds, the stars have aligned. And even in the way that there was another thing, there was almost a double booking that I am bound contractually to uh, give my time to. They even moved their thing for me to be able to do this thing on that's coming up, right? It's kind of weird to talk about it because I it, it, it's it's got to be fairly abstract because it's mm. it's all contractually uh, you know agreed to and whatever. But the thing is, yeah, people buy the bought into my brand, so like you know that's I feel a responsibility to that, and also to the the client, the end client, who is looking forward to what we're doing, what we're going to be doing. And so I find that, yeah, I'm really, I'm committed to it. And then once I'm committed to something, I'll do it. So you've got an amazing team together. Yeah. They're definitely going to perform. Oh, yeah. No stresses about that. No, probably not. The stress is the people organising the performance. <laughs> and you're contractually obliged and you feel almost like a moral obligation to perform because you're a professional. Mm, of course. I can help you coach how to solve that short-term mm, issue. That'd be great. Thanks. Another option is mm. to look at the substantive picture mm. and explore ways how we can ensure that something like this doesn't happen again. Mm. Mm. Which would you rather explore today? Oh, I've got time both of them to go ahead, actually. Okay. <laughs> so the short-term one, what options do you have available? None. None no options whatsoever? No options. Well, okay, the options we do have is to, uh, to partially ignore what uh, all these conflicting signals of, that, are, that are coming and providing something um, ourselves. For example, um, I get, uh, I did a wedding the other week. I think we were both, um, I don't usually do weddings, but this is a friend of mine's wedding. So we, I did that. I emceed and DJed and sang at this thing. And I was given a thing, like a list of things I wanted to do. And I took the executive decision on a couple of occasions to actually change that a bit. And what we provided in the end was good, and they really liked it. And usually I do that. If a client's kind of going, uh, uh, I'm like, you know, another day of this and I'm going to go mad. So I'll, I'll just put something in there without even asking them. And at the end they'll turn around and go, well, we didn't do this and this, but that what you chose was really good anyway, so we're fine with that. So that's what I'm hoping will happen. Well, that's not what I'm hoping. That's definitely going to happen this time. Another 12 hours of this and I'm going to call the shots myself on it, I think. <clears throat> That's one option. So mm. they're not giving you what you need, so mm. you'll give it to them. And you've done that before for your friend's wedding, and they were happy with that. And they were happy with that. And I've done that with other clients as well, you know, like a, on a, you know, live shows or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's always worked out okay. So that's one option. Mm. Are there any other options that you haven't explored or thought about? No. I don't think we have any other options. That's the thing. The only other option is to do exactly what has been set up until now, which has changed a bit. But where we sit today at this time, five days away from the actual engagement, then bang. Well, then I know we've got this here and we just have to make that work. And then the other bits and pieces, I'll just add to it. So that's my kind of, that's the only options I think I've got. Two options then. Mm. You do what you want to do and mm. it will be great from your perspective. Mm -hmm. The second is just do what they want to do. But mm. there's a risk that it. Sounds like it won't be so great. <laughs> well, it, it, it won't be so, not that it won't be so great. It's just they keep changing their mind on this. Okay. So it's hard to know, like, okay, well, 
the only thing I know is sort of like a, a like a five minute portion of the whole thing, and that's the only part I know that is actually concrete. Every every bit of information I'm getting from all the different sides on the other side of the equation are giving me mixed signals all the time, different information. So, hmm. Could you think about a third option? Well, the third option is to walk away, but I'm not going to do that. Fourth option? There is no fourth option, I don't think, anyway. Let's explore that a bit further. Mm-hmm. You said they, they keep changing their minds. Mm-hmm. So how have the conversations that you've approached them, stating that to them, gone? Well, I have said explicitly that... Uh, the, the, we had a Zoom meeting and we got a uh, kind of a rundown, a paper rundown after that. And so what was written on there is what I've taken as the end client's word. But the client in the middle keeps chopping and changing everything. Mm, so my approach is just to listen to what the last guy said. And he, not the last guy, the end client said. And he's been very flexible. He's like, I'll leave a certain portion of this up to you. Mm. And then that's great. And I thought, well, then I can arrange for all the members to do all their bits and pieces. And then suddenly, oh, we'd like them to do the whole, like to, to stay the whole day and keep playing for two hours. And I'm like, well, you only told me five minutes. And so I've told them five minutes. They've organized their schedules around the five minute performance. Then now I've, I have to ask them to come back and like two hours later and do two more songs at the end. And now you want me to do the middle bits. Whereas I now have to play music and I have to talk and all this stuff. Uh. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to talk about this. I'm sorry so to what extent do you have to be so flexible? Because you said you mentioned contractual obligations. Mm. They've got a contractual obligation to stick to a certain plan. They do. But the, the, the thing that I find in our work, and this is an interesting point, um, is that you're doing something which doesn't exist because, uh, I mean, it, I mean, there are people who MC, you know, events and there are people who play at events and there are people who DJ at events. But essentially you're providing something that no one else is capable of doing because without blowing my own trumpet, I'm going to blow my own trumpet. Sorry, it's going to sound horrible. I know it is. Sorry about that, listeners. I'm, I'm usually not like this, but I do realize something. I'm, I'm, able, to, I'm able to provide three different things that usually would require three different people. So you need somebody to talk and somebody who's bilingual. You need someone to play music as a DJ who can read the room and play the songs that everyone will get up and dance to. And then you need to be able to sing Guns N' Roses or whatever, right? So, and I can do all of those things and I can do all of those things to a really high quality level. So I put myself out there as somebody who's able to cover all these different things for you so then for me to turn around and say no to this and this and this is actually defeating the point of what I'm trying to do. Because coming from this in the future may be other work. There might be another client who sees that and goes, oh, dude can do X, Y, Z. So let's get this guy to do our thing. And that's a good thing for my business. It's a really good thing for my business. There's this, this thing, kakasanai sonzai in Japanese, which means that you are the only one who's capable of doing this certain thing. And, and, and it sounds arrogant to say, I mean, I know people can do all of them probably. And, and if they put their minds to it and if they actually offered that as a service, they would be able to do it. But I've actually, uh, when I started doing this work in Japan, I thought I have to separate myself from everybody else 
in order to stay constantly in work. Because the Americans who do voices only do American voices. So they only ever, give, ever get American voice work. The British guys who do the British voices only ever get the British voice work. Some of them occasionally get Japanese work. But usually only the bilingual guys get Japanese work. Or the native Japanese people get Japanese work. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not British, I'm not American, and I'm not, I'm not Japanese. So I'll do all of those anyway, because then they'll, they'll keep me in work. And then likewise with events and these kind of things, which is what we're talking about today. Um, I've put myself out there as somebody who can cover all these things. So I will do that because that's my template and that's what I've, that's how I've sold myself. So there is no way of getting out of this for that reason. <laughs> Tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like to me mm-hmm. you're confusing flexibility with setting boundaries. So mm-hmm. your unique selling point is you're the most flexible entertainer in town, bilingual, can sing Guns N' Roses, <laughs> talk American, talk English, <laughs> everything under the sun, whatever the client wants you can do. Mm. That's the flexibility. Mm. The boundary is almost like the legal side. Mm-hmm. Just a disclaimer here as a lawyer, I'm not giving you legal advice No, here, no, no. Because no, I'm not qualified to do that here at this stage, enough. and I'm not your lawyer. But the boundary is setting, for example, a deadline mm-hmm. where you say everything has to be fixed by this time. Mm-hmm. After that, we can make no further changes. Mm-hmm. To what extent is that flexibility for you or going against your unique selling point? I would love to have that. And I actually have started doing that in some things. I remember, like, I used to get, as I told you, I used to get, um, I would turn up to a, an emceeing job, having asked for the uh, script in advance so that I can double-check all the kanji and I can make sure I've got the right people's names and what their description is, you know. And I've asked for it and I've asked for it and I've asked for it and it's not been forthcoming. And I've had to turn up and do the gig blind and I've gone... Oh, what's written on the piece of paper here must be gospel. And I've announced it or talked, sorry, uh, spoke, read whatever is on that script and said exactly as it's written. And that was wrong. What was on the piece of paper was wrong. So I, I remember there was a politician and he was giving a keynote speech at this thing. There's a couple of thousand people there and it's, you know, big formal do and everything. And I'm the only foreigner, but I'm doing the emceeing for the thing. And I announced this guy with a different, uh, different. Um, uh, what am I? What's, what am I looking for here? Ah, it's gone from my brain. Seat. He holds a seat in government for a particular area, and I, the kanji, the character, the Chinese character on the script, was for a different prefecture, but it was close, really close. It's like Shizuoka and Fukuoka, right? So. Um, they had the wrong one on there. And I read it as, as it was. And everybody in the room, 2,000 people, and then you've got your dignitary sat on stage, all turned around, looked at me and shook their heads. I'm like, so I did what I, what I, my reflex action was. I very politely said, I'm very, very sorry, everybody. But on my script, prepared by this fine establishment, is the is the different place name? So I'm I I am terribly sorry from the bottom of my heart as you do in Japanese. You get very you know. Taihenmoshiwakigozaimasenでしたが, that kind of stuff, right? So, um, 
But they, he was cool with it. But everybody else was just going like, ah. And I said specifically to these people so many times, get me this script by Tuesday. Get me this script by Wednesday. Get me this script by today or it's going to be a real mm, and turned up and it ended up being a real mm, it ended up being an issue. So I decided I would start saying I need it by a certain time. But people just ignore that. Mm. They really do. People, when you're doing events, I have no idea why. When it comes to events, I like to change things as you're about to walk on. Oh, we're going to do this this way instead. Then you look like an idiot because you, you're the one who's who everyone's looking at and you're saying the wrong thing or you're doing the wrong thing or you're stalling for time or whatever. So you come across as being the complete and utter fool. So, I've, yeah, I've done that. This time around, it happens to be the same client and it's the same thing again, having set parameters and set boundaries that are routinely ignored. Now, I don't know how to go about that which is leading to the procrastination because I don't want to deal with it when it's all this, you know, like ignoring of the boundaries that I've tried to set. Mm. Nobody else does that. TV or radio or whatever, they're all, well, TV can actually do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But they usually give you enough time to like, you don't just walk in and you're straight on camera. Mm. You get there a couple of hours beforehand and you go through it. And, oh, you've, you've changed this, have you? Well, then can I just kind of like, you know, practice this a bit because I want to do this straight to camera without looking at my script. So can I just go and rehearse for half an hour somewhere in a room? Yeah, cool. Try and work it out. Try and work it out. Try and remember it or whatever. And then go in and, and do it. And it usually works. Um, so all the other clients I work with are usually really good. Say so you're a professional. Yes. You got your fingers burnt before with the same yeah, client? Yeah, with the same client, yeah. Have you heard of the 80 <laughs> 20 rule? No. Okay. I think it's a rugby thing. You kick the ball out of your 20, if it goes 80, oh no, that's 20 40, I think, or 20 60. So. so the 80 20 rule is you spend 80% of your time with 20% of your most valuable clients. Mm -hmm. mm. How does this client rate within your oh. roster of clients in terms of percentages? Ah, uh, what? Their, their ranking, do you mean? Or, or, or how much to... work are they giving you? Oh, they used to give me a lot. Okay. Used to give me a lot before COVID. They essential for your business now or not? Not right now, but they could be going forward because of what's happening with the opening of the borders in Japan and so on. And these people selling themselves as a destination uh, for events and so on, uh, for inbound, so for not necessarily individuals, but corporations and so on. And uh, with what's happening now with the borders being open and everything, going forward, uh, before COVID, I would do a whole bunch of these inbound things for foreign corporations and companies. It was really lucrative, right? And it was a really good career move because it was basically... You know, um, using the fact that I'd got a couple of shows and that that are broadcast to other countries and these people have seen me or heard me in their own countries. They come here and I'm the guy who's emceeing for them or whatever. And they're, they're, they love that. They're stoked with that, which is great. It's really good. And this particular client is one of the few places that will be offering this kind of stuff going forward on the long term, in the long term. So I think, and also when I think of... 
there are certain uh, things in our industry. You know, shows have a shelf life. Some shows wind up. I haven't heard anything yet, but I would imagine that between now and April of next year, there is a possibility that one or more of the shows I currently do could wind up. Now, I know in, in advance with these shows, the way they're structured, if it's a, if it's a two-year contract, or I know for two years I'm going to be getting this amount of money with this show and the regularity on air and so on. So that's peace of mind financially, right? These guys are providing that, will provide that, I should say. They did before, they probably will again. Um, so I, for me going forward, I'd like to, like to continue the relationship. I really would. But, I, but, you know, when it comes to this kind of thing, I think something has to be done about it. And, and, and so as far as the 2080 is concerned, I would, I am blessed that I spend 80% of my time with the 20% I love. Um, and they're all really good. But uh, these people would definitely, individually they're fine. And it's not actually the guy's fault. The guy himself has said, oh, I'm so sorry it keeps changing like this. It's not his fault. It's just the way the whole thing's structured. And he's me getting frustrated because I have previous on this, you see. Mm. So you fast mm. forward two years from now. Mm. You've lost that gig that you said has probably got a short shelf life. Mm. Well, most of the TV shows and that do, yeah. They, you know. And you're working a lot with this client because mm. there's something going down in the future. Mm. How are you feeling? Uh, two outcomes, two possible outcomes. If they have got their stuff together or if I am able to, and this is what I like to do, is leverage myself in there so that I get a fair amount of leeway with what I'm, more or less like they throw me the thing. They say, okay, here's the client, here's when they're going to be here and this is what they want to do. The rest, we'll give to you. It's up to you then I can write all the material. <clears throat> Pardon me, I can write the script, I can write the, you know, uh, the initiative, the, I can do all the, like, the, the write the scenario of the whole thing, and then I can submit that and go, we're going to do this. Are you good with this? Yep, cool, great. Then I don't have to worry about getting information from these people. That's what I'm looking for. That's what, when I'm looking two years into the future, that's what I'm thinking will happen. When I think of what, I've been asked to do and been able to provide for this time around. They're already impressed without the thing having actually started yet with the level of people I've been able to get on board and with the, the budget they gave me, within the budget they gave me. And uh, so th I can see they would be satisfied with the thing going forward. So we will have a relationship and I will get the leverage. That's the only way to do it, I think. We'll come back to that. Another scenario I'm going to give you is two years in the future, you've completely ditched the client. So after this project, you've ditched them completely. Mm -hmm. How would your life look in two years' time? Uh, it would, I would look at it as a look back on it because we're looking two years in the future. So look back on what's happening now as a wasted opportunity because I know during COVID how much uh, people in our industry who do the live stuff, how much they missed uh, personally, also uh, financially, the damage was quite large for everybody. For me personally, it's not always about the money, and this is the thing. I'm probably I should be more of a more of a capitalist or something. It's about 
you know, like live it well, it's living the dream. I mean, I'm doing, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm doing all these things I would love to have done as a child. I wanted to do when I was an adult. Well, I thought I wanted to do as an adult when I was a child. So I would look up, and I, I remember during the COVID times how much that was really stuffing around, stuffing my identity around because I wasn't able to do the thing I thought I, I believe I'm born to do, rightly or wrongly, arrogantly or non-arrogantly. So I would look at it and go, like, oh, what a wasted opportunity that was. Wow, we should have, wish we could have done something else with that. So that's how I look at it. I think. Who else could provide you with that? Well, other places could. Other places could, but it's a really, our, our industry is a really weird one. You could go and sell yourself, go out and take your reels or whatever with you and go and like knock on doors. I did that years ago. They won't use you unless they've seen you do something. So if they've been in the room, they go, oh, man, you've got to come and do ours as well, or whatever. Whenever I've gone into it and uh, as a, like up, up in a competition against other people or whatever, unless they're aware of my work, I've not usually got the gig. I usually get the gigs based upon, oh, we know Stuart O'Guy, so we'll book him or whatever. So... And other places, right, so what I'm trying to say is if I go and try and knock on other doors, they're not necessarily going to be open because they may have got their guy already because they've seen somebody else do something or whatever. So I don't want to have to go through all that rubbish of doing that. This has been presented to me. It's landed in my lap. These things come along and they come along for a reason. You came into my life doing this podcast for a reason. Everything has a reason. So it's really these clients come and they say like we want they offer you the gig without asking anybody else because they want you to do it so it's a, it's like a gift horse you never look that in the mouth i don't think anyway because you know once again who knows when you're going to have this first hand opportunity to do that again there's no there's no guarantees in our industry so what you said to me then is this is a key fundamental client for you mm you said it's a lost opportunity if you mm. don't have them in the, two, in the next two years. Yeah, absolutely. So with all of that in mind, going back to the options you presented earlier, mm. what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to continue on doing what we're doing, but, but one, one thing you, you've made very clear is I'm going to have to, beyond this, A, set boundaries with these people. Uh, and in, as far as this time is concerned, I'm going to just have to go in with what I've got and do it. And if there's any complaints or whatever, I don't think there will be. If there's any level of dissatisfaction expressed at what we've provided, then I'll just have to take that. I don't, I don't like that. Actually, that's probably one of the things I don't like. Is I don't like people going, that was shit. <laughs> I don't like that. And, I, and nobody likes that, I'm sure. And I can take criticism. I'm, you know, like I did a live show last night and this guy came up at the end of the night and said, your voice is so high pitched, it gets, it, suddenly, it gets a bit kind of like, kind of like needly in your ear at the end of the night. And I'm like, I know that. But look at what we're singing ACDC and Bon Jovi by that time of the night. So I, I am screeching because that's the thing. So I'm, and I'm cool with that. He's, he was a very nice guy, well within his rights to say, you're not the best singer I've ever heard. So and I'm like, great, that's fine. I can take that. I'm not. But I don't like it when it's, say, a client, like, a, you know, like a, a large client turns around and says, no, it wasn't, it wasn't very good, was it? So I make sure I take the steps for that not to happen, even if it, I give them something that they weren't expecting. Yes, so that's what I'm going to do. That's definitely what I'm going to do this time. So you're going to set boundaries with them. Set boundaries. You mentioned two years in the future, mm. you, you would leverage yourself in there mm. and sort things out. Mm. What's stopping you from doing that now? Well, we haven't kind of... Well, I am also... 
almost in a way doing that now because I've chosen all of the people who are going to be performing and so on. And I've suggested to them, well, I'm, I'm going to do this instead of that because this is what we can do and I know it'll work, whereas what you're proposing is not going to work because it's, it's literally, physically impossible for this to actually work out that way. Um, so uh, you need an opportunity to leverage yourself into something, I think. To just go in now with a blank of a couple of years and be like, well, we're doing it my way, or you can you know, go F off or whatever. I don't think that's a good idea in this case yet. I think there's kind of like, it's got to be steps. And, I, I, you know, if you jump, especially in Japan, as you know as well, if you jump in too, too gung-ho and too, like, aggressively at the beginning, too into something, you run the risk of pissing them off, and then they turn around and say, well, actually, no. And then it goes back to the wasted opportunity thing, I think. So walk, walk me through the, the next two years, because this is a key client for you, mm. and you're leveraging yourself in. What mm. practical steps would you need to take in the next two years to leverage yourself in? And give me a timeline for doing these things. Practical things. Well, it depends, of course, on where when the next thing they ask me to do comes along. Uh, in the meantime, what I will do is I will uh, sit down and have a review with them and say, well, this is what happened this time. Next time... Let's do this and this and this. And that doesn't have to be a... We, it's usually like on the day after it's finished. We'll have a beer or something. I'm usually... And I'll, I'll, I'll bring... I'll make sure I bring a cool box with some beers in it. Seriously, I always do. For, not for radio and TV and stuff and narrations and voices and whatever. If it's, a, um, if it's a live event, I'll always bring some drinks. And I will say, Mr. Client, come, I've got a couple of cans of beer. You want to have a beer? And we can have a quick chat about just whilst it's fresh in our minds. So we'll definitely do that. And I will say um, it's better to provide the client with something rather than them throwing it at you and saying, well, we want this. Because they don't know a lot of the time whether it's doable, whether it's going to work, all of that. They don't usually know any of this stuff, which is why they are hiring professionals. And I want to say to the middle client, the reason why you wanted me to come in on this because you want my thing right so then you have to give me the latitude the flexibility to do this so going forward you tell me who the client is kind of around about what they're thinking about and i will select the songs and i will i'll make the timetable up and all that kind of stuff i'll make the scenario mm. so what you just said there is something that the listeners in the professional services industry would be quite familiar with. So mm. when you do a large transaction for a client, right at the end, when everyone's really happy because it's gone well, mm. you say, okay, let's sit down and talk about what went well and what we can improve on in the future. Mm. It's almost like a debrief about how to be more efficient in the future. So Because mm. it's a good relationship you've got there and you want to maintain that. Mm. So it sounds like you've got a really classy way of doing that in a formal way where mm. you can get on the same level of the client. It's not aggressive. It's not mm. in your face. Mm. It's respecting Japanese culture as well. Mm. How has that worked with you in the past? Really, really well. There was a client who was disorganized but hadn't let me know anything about what was happening. right? And then running in whilst I'm in the middle of saying something waving their finger and shaking their head in front of a full ballroom of people in a very nice upper-class hotel who are waiting for the, you know, the next thing to happen in this particular event. And so I took... I, I, when I'm in the middle of it, it's, I, I, I can get really quite 
when it's in the middle of something. And if somebody comes up and barking, barks things in my ears, and I'm in the middle of talking to a room full of people, I will be like, expletive, 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 off. Let me get on with it. Excuse me. We'll deal with that in a sec. And then go back to it. And then keep talking. But with the, like, I look like, don't come near me. And if they come and do it again, I'm like, stop it. And just gesture, stop. So this guy kept doing this. And I'm just like, and so I'm like, okay, that's a round of applause for this person. And, and whilst the applause is going on, I went over to him and I'm just like, don't you effing do this again. When this corner is done, we're going to go and have a talk. So stay here. And he's kind of in charge of the venue. He's like, you know, quite, I think he's probably more in the ranking of everything above me in the, the rankings, if you like, of, you know, the staffing rankings. And I took him from that. Like, don't you ever, ever, ever do that in front of people. It makes you look like a fool. It makes me look like, look like a fool. And think of the client. Oh, you know, you haven't got things together well enough. Why should we, who are here at the event, looking at this client going, how fantastic, well, supposedly thinking how fantastic they are, if they can't get their events organized or choose the right people to do them, why should we be impressed by this company? And it, it reverberates so deeply into so many different things to do with the, the, the end client. So I said to this guy, firmly, but really nicely, but I, was, I mean, he knew I was angry, but I'm like, I'm not going to go, ah, ah, ah. But I, I, so I said, I'm really sorry I used an expletive because I, you, were, you were talking to me when I'm talking. You can't do that. That's one thing you never do in an event. Second of all, don't come in and wave your finger because that looks horrible. If you've got something, pass me a piece of paper and say we're going to do this. And I can say, oh, we have a change in the schedule. We're going to be doing this instead of that. So I just gave all these points, but I made a point of... Showing that I was my displeasure, but not being angry and aggressive. I don't think that gets you anywhere. But being forceful does. So you say, right, okay, well, it was the wrong time to, and the wrong way to do that. But next time we don't have to do it that way. So I think it's a, very, it's a really good thing um, to be respectful and calm and try and, like, you know, look at it from their point of view as well. Mm. How was his reaction when you did that? Um... Well, I think, first of all, it's a bit of a shock. I think I don't think people are expecting to yell, to yell at them rather than just be really forceful. Because I'm like, I would usually, <laughs> I kind of feel really sorry for people. I don't, I don't think anyone intends to ruin other people's, I mean, there are politicians who do. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm quite, I'm not going to go there because I do believe there are people on the earth who just want nothing other than just to give other people grief. But... I generally think most people are not trying to ruin something. They've got in their minds, oh, I've got to do this now, I've got to act now, oh, whatever. So that's why, that's the basis of what they do. So I try to look at it from their way, and I feel sorry for them in a way, because they're obviously under pressure if they think that's, you know, if that's the, the best course of action is to run out shaking their finger. If that's the best course of action, then you are actually under pressure, and that's a, a good thing. So he was, like, expecting me to go, don't you ever? And I'm just like... I'm, look, I'm, I'm really sorry I swore at you before, but it was I was in, you know, you don't interrupt me when I'm talking. Second of all this, and third of all this, bloody, but, and, and, but I was trying to be really nice about it. I'm like, can I give you some advice about what you probably shouldn't do during an event? And the guy's like, yeah, okay, because I was looking at his, his eyes, you know. 
this is probably not a good idea. This is probably not a good idea. And this is not a good idea. And I'm really sorry. I didn't really, I really didn't want to make you feel bad about this. Don't worry. I'm not going to talk to anybody. If somebody asks me for an appraisal of your work tonight, I'll say it was fine. I'll say we had an issue. We sorted it out. It's not, he's cool. He's fine. Because basically these people are also very nice people. And there's very few really like, oh, God, I'd like to make this guy have a miserable night in our world. They're usually really nice people who are just working under pressure or whatever. So you don't belittle them and you don't yell at them. His reaction was, he was expecting that from me. I was rather, I thought calm and adult about it and professional about it because I don't want anyone to feel bad. And also it reflects badly on me. Mm. It reflects badly on the client that chose me as the MC, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then one of their superiors noticed, came over to me and said, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, we just had a, a disagreement. We sorted it out. He's fine. I'm fine. Everything's great. We shook hands. We had a beer. And at the end of the night, he came out and said, I'm really sorry. Thank you very much for your really kind advice. And bought me a glass of wine mm. from, they said some wine left. The event was finished, but they were packing up, but they, he bought a glass of wine over. I thought it was rather lovely. I mean, I, didn't, I, you know, I usually don't drink wine, but I did on that occasion. Um, because, yeah, it was just a really nice way to, a really kind of calm way to you know, diffuse the thing, but get your message across. So in that situation, you're in your element. This is what you do. Mm. Room for the 2,000 people. Mm. He's wagging his finger at you <laughs> saying, don't do that, don't do that. And you got very, very angry. Mm. You silenced him. Mm. But professionally afterwards, you had stern words with him in a very polite way and mm. saying, this makes us look bad in front of the client. Mm. You're saying it's the same situation to me now at this stage with this new client. Mm. But it's not in a position where you're on stage. No. So how would it play out if you have the same mindset, imagining you're on stage for the 2,000 people? Because it's the same reaction from the client, no doubt, that they mm. keep changing mind and it makes you look professional. Mm. So how would it play out if you have such stern words with a client now, almost as if they're wagging your finger at you on stage? I think it would, it would be fine. I think they'd probably take the criticism or take, take, take the point I'm trying to make because... I already kind of already did it anyway. On the phone the other day, I already did, kind of did it anyway. Um, and I said, it's not really suitable be, to, to keep going left and right and all this. So I'm going to do this. I'll do this from this time to this time. I've told the, peop the, the members of the band that they're free between uh, X o'clock and Y o'clock. I cannot then now tell them they've got to be here between X and Y. So we'll sort that. I'll sort that out myself and I'll work something out there. So I kind of did the same thing, but without saying to him, oh, man, you know, like, so I'm a, I was a less stern because I'm not, we've not started yet. You know what I mean? Like, it's been the first thing for, like, over two and a half years since COVID came along. So I don't want to start off on the, the, the wrong foot or a bad, on the bad, uh, bad relationship. So I want to be calm and cool and collective about this. But it's still making me panic a bit, and I'm and and it's getting getting to me, and that's why I procrastinate. And I'm gonna like, yeah. So it's gone. So it's gone, gone in this really big circle. You're very good. <laughs> You're very good at your job. Very good at your job. It's come right back. The mindset <laughs> now, the procrastination, is going back to your school days where you don't want to do a test. <laughs> yeah, because it goes back to this thing. Whereas I knew what was going to be happening most of the time, right? Um, but with something like a test, you don't know what's going to happen, do you? So you're going to like start fighting around going like, oh, I don't want to study for this. No, I don't know what's in the test. I don't like that. I know, I, my whole life has been just this incredible unplanned adventure that's gone really, really well. Almost, almost a script. Almost a script. There's a few things. I'd like to be a little, a little bit richer and 
And yeah, I would have probably have liked to have been Mick Jagger. But that's the only two things that haven't gone. Okay, everything else has gone according to what I thought it would. I can coach you on that in the future. If yes, you're be Mick Jagger, no problem. <laughs> yes, I think we, that would be a that would be a really good one. That would be a really really good one. I'd like that very much. So, but um, so so I'm I where I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't mind that. I don't want everything planned. But when it comes to the immediate, well, this is your script for tomorrow, or you're in the studio from two to six and you're going to be doing this, I want to know so I can go in there without anything in my head and do what I'm supposed to be doing. I can completely get rid of everything in my life, out of my head. You, just, you don't even know what is happening outside the door of the studio at any given time. And I'm usually not interested in it if I'm in the moment. But when I don't know, that's when I get a bit... <clears throat> And then I don't want to face it because I don't know what's going to happen in that time. So I'd rather not face it. And so I'd procrastinate and try not to and do all the other things I'm supposed to do. Like, you know, oh, I better do the laundry or, you know, I better actually oh, reorganize the files in my computer or, you know, stuff like that. So, which is procrastination. Yeah, I don't like it. But it's, it very rarely happens. But this is the first time for a very long time it's happened. Mm, mm. To summarize where we are today, so you had great things, you have great things in your life. Family's going well, the job's going well. Yep. 10k weight gain from COVID is going well. Coming off a bit. Yeah. Coming off a bit. A bit. The downside <laughs> is this difficult client mm. who we've established is a key client going forward. Yes. And it's a lost opportunity if you let them go now. Yes. So you're kind of, in, in Japanese, it's shogunai, you've got to carry on with it. Yes. What realizations do you have now in terms of your procrastination that you didn't have when we stepped into this recording studio today? That. Uh, the procrastination is completely avoidable. I can avoid it by my own actions, by, as you said, setting parameters, boundaries, and so on, being a little bit more, what's the word, a little bit more persistent on that side of things. That's what I really, that's the, the biggest takeaway I can th think at the moment. It's a, it's a fixable thing. But by doing nothing to fix it, you're not actually fixing anything. It's just festering and getting worse. So, yeah. But it's funny because it, it's kind of like, well, then I will, <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. Is still in your head. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's probably uh, time-wise too late. They won't be available at night anyway. So, I'll have, but I will get up first thing in the morning and we'll, we'll tackle it. That's, it's, I, it's, it's going to take me back to the 15 years ago, the, the, uh, the hypnotist thing. And why was I procrastinating then because I was frightened of probably rejection, I suppose, or not getting to where I thought I should be. Um, this time around, it's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's, it's not going to go away if I just leave it. So I will have to take control of it and do it myself. So mm. walk me through your action plan <clears throat> then. All right. So I will tomorrow get up first thing and I will dissect what we've got now. And I will put that into a package and say, we are doing this, folks. Learn your parts. You've got three days. Bang. That should be easy. These people are brilliant, brilliant players. They know what they're doing. As far as the client's concerned, I'm saying, I will say to him, this is what we have to do now. We're going to be doing this, and we're going to be doing this, and we're not going to do this and this, because that's still, to me, too grey. I haven't got a definite answer on these two other things. We're not going to do those. We'll do this, we'll do this, and we'll do this. If we, if we can have a meeting with the guy by Zoom tomorrow, that'd be fine, or even on Wednesday, be fine. Whatever. Let's do it beforehand, and I will explain the reasons why and then make sure he's fine with it. And then I would say, well, you've hired me as a, 
the professional in this situation, so you should trust my professional judgment, so I will exercise my professional judgment. And that's, how, that's what I'm going to be doing. That's the, the course of action from once I leave the booth. But it won't, I won't, as I said, time-wise, I won't be able to do it today, so it'll have to be first thing tomorrow morning, but it means I'll get home early, maybe go to the gym and do a little, you know, yep, another session, and uh, get to bed early and wake up early and get on to it. Spend over the whole day, I can spend on it tomorrow, which is great. I've actually got a whole day free, so I'm going to spend the whole day on it and not procrastinate by reading the reviews of the rugby on the weekend or the cricket or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> so you're devoting a day to the gym and sorting this out tomorrow. Yes. What will happen if the same situation happens in the future, two years from now, and it nothing changes? It won't happen. How can you be so sure? Because I'll make sure it doesn't happen. I will. Uh, you, you've the 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 insight that I've got today, thanks thanks to you, is the only person that can actually change the way this is flowing, is myself, and I've already done it in the past. So it's just doing the same thing again, and backing yourself. So two years from now, I will continue to back myself on the judgment for, for these things, and I will say, I'm. The professional in the room, for, for one of a better expression. So let me do it, deal with it. And I'll make sure that I am doing that. I'll make sure that it's done the way I want it to be done. For the listeners at home, this is really interesting seeing your body language now because when you said it will not happen, you were actually pointing your finger the same way you're <laughs> pointing the finger to the guy who came up to you on stage. <laughs> so it seems you are in that mindset. Yeah, very much so. And I wasn't when I came in, no. Interesting. Oh, it is interesting. Very interesting. But it's... um. It's also like, it, the, the thing that you once said to me over a glass of wine in the past with coaching is the answers are always in, inside you and it's just that you need a medium to, to pull them out. And I think it's, that's where you have a really good skill with this because you're not... I, I, was, I was imagining a coach is somebody who more, it dictates more, but it doesn't seem to be that way. It's kind of like, you know, you, 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 answer, you, you ask a question and you end up with an answer coming out of your own head. Yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Very impressive. So I think here the key word's agency. So mm -hmm. it sounded before that you weren't happy because you didn't have agency and other people were disorganised and it was out of your control. Mm. But now you realise that you have agency. Well, and I, the have, only, I have to have agency. You have to have agency. Have to have agency. Yeah. And the only one that can change things is ultimately you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I'll have to do. And I'm happy about that, really quite happy about that because it... Once again, takes me back to my original thing is I like to be able to know what I'm doing with stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about today? There is, but we haven't got time. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, the Mick Jagger thing is something that's quite, mm. I thought was quite interesting as well. Um, the fact that, you know, when you're a kid, you think you're going to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. or you're going to be the best at the opening batsman or you're going to be, you know, the, 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 the pitcher, the, the, whatever. And then reality comes in. But I'm doing something very similar to what I thought I was going to be doing anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's not that far away from it. But the fact that I didn't become Mick Jagger is not something I think of. But it would be really nice to have been a world-famous rock star. Mm. That's an interesting coaching <laughs> topic, probably, right? We, we haven't got time for five minutes today, but mm, no. but quick one. What, what's the driver for wanting to be world famous like Mick Jagger? Just because, so you, once again, you know what you're doing, mm. you know, because you, you can control the, the agenda, you can control the, control the narrative. Uh, and I do have that now with my work, with what I'm doing. Pretty much I can control what I'm, apart from 
you know, clients who mess you around. What is going on at any given time? I'm, I've got complete control over that, which is mm. great. Um, I think if you were in somebody of Mick Jagger's position, you could say, no, I want to do it this way. Mm. And no one would argue with you. You know what I mean? So uh, I have that now almost except for occasionally a client or you know, like we we're talking about today. 90% of the time I have that. So that end has been realized. The other thing would just be like to have loads of money. <laughs> I'm not, you know, because I'm not really, you know, I'm not doing it for the money. It's not the thing, but I would like to be better paid for what I do. I can mm -hmm. tell you that. Our industry is really, it's, it's really, people think it's really lucrative. It is decently lucrative. You can make as much as you could make in the law profession, but you no, no one's spankingly rich, mm. you know, and so it's a little bit different. You can imagine somebody on the BBC doing exactly the same thing. We'd be paid a lot better than what I'm paid, but it's, I'm paid very well within the industry in Japan. Yeah. So it's fine. I should, shouldn't really be a problem, but do you imagine being me, Jack, having loads of money and just like, yeah, you know, yeah, just not worrying about stuff, you know, I don't know. That'd be great. Rich coaching topics. If I was to coach you on that, I'll question the extent to which that is actual success or not. Mm, mm, we'll balance mm. that with happiness. Yes. You seem to be a happy person, because I know you outside of this room, and yeah. you seem to be a happy person. Yeah, yeah, very much so. But that's for the future, I think. So, uh, final, final question. Mm. If you were talking to someone who has difficult clients like you have, mm. what advice would you give them? Uh, to find the source of the difficulty and work it out. But work it out to your own, your own uh, benefit, but also to be to realize that it takes two to tango, and so you have to have, you know, a decent relationship with these people. You don't want to destroy the relationship you've got with them, but what you want is to make sure that your interests are being looked after. Otherwise, it does cause a lot of stress. Interesting. Mm. I think I'm going to get out of coaching mode now and make a, an observational point. Mm. A lot of the narrative you see now, even in the coaching industry, is almost like a slash and burn thing with relationships. Mm. So if you're in something like a job or you're working with difficult clients, get rid of them and just mm. concentrate on the things that you love, your passions and things that make you happy. Mm. Whereas you, your mindset is actually no, stick with it. Because it's lucrative and you never know what's going to happen in the future and it will be a lost opportunity if I don't. It will, but also one thing on top of that is it brings you the exact results that you wanted had you done a slash and burn thing. Are you doing the things you... I mean, they're giving me an opportunity to be on stage, to sing, to talk, mm. to DJ, whatever. That's what I love. So that's another thing. It is very lucrative and that's another thing. But it's also... They're giving me the opportunity. Why would you want to slash and burn that? Mm -hmm. So even if the relationship is difficult... A lot of people in our game are like, I'm never going to do that gig again. I'm never going to do that. Why would you not want to do that gig mm. again? Because, you know, I mean, I know it's, it's stressful and whatever, but the more you do that gig and you do it the way you want to do it, on your own terms, the better the gig will get and it'll turn into something you love doing, but you've got to go through the kind of the, the, the I don't know, go to, go to hell before you go to heaven or whatever. I don't know whether that's, that's a good analogy to use, but that's what I think. So I'd rather do it. Because they're providing me the opportunity to do what I love doing. There's nothing wrong with that. Thank you, Stuart. Oh, it's been a very interesting coach. James, I hope, it, yeah, I hope it works out as, as a podcast that people want to listen to and they hopefully they can get some kind of benefit from it that I haven't just been blabbing on like a madman. But I, yeah, Thank it's you. amazing how it's gone in different directions. Interesting. Mm. It is interesting. Uh, one final request. Could you yes. close us out in your best voiceover voice? To, I want you to kind of visualize the insight you got and then um, do that kind of voice now for the, for the close up. The insight I got. Mm. Okay, 
It like with a. You tell me what kind of voice that mm. would be. Procrastination will get you nowhere. What you need to do is to take control so that procrastination is not even an option. Thank you. Gosh, how do I top that? Thank you very much, Stuart, <laughs> for joining the Plus Thanks, Feature James. Podcast. Excellent, thank you. It was fascinating talking to Stuart O right after the session. He kept saying it was a weird feeling as the answers were always in him but he never knew. He felt like a different person. And there, listeners, you see the wizardry of coaching in action. Thanks for listening. Feel free to leave comments on my socials and of course, do like, subscribe and share. Until next time, 